Welcome to the What's Good Games podcast. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Alexa Ray Korea. What up? And Christine Steimer. Oh, hello there. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you are watching this video, you instantly see that Miss Brittany Brombacher is missing. <gasps> Where is she, Andrea? She is at a Metallica concert. Rocking out. There She's we go. She's got the horns up. She's probably drinking some whiskey. Having a grand old time. So uh, she's not on the show this week, but don't worry. She'll be back um, and shenanigans will ensue. So you, we might not talk about something Zelda related this week. Can we handle that? We ladies? might absolutely just have to let it go for this one. <laughs> <laughs> we just might just once. have to let it go. Just this once. Um, I would love to tell everybody out there listening that this week's episode of the What's Good Games podcast is brought to you by one of our fantastic sponsors, MacWeldon.com. Alexa Ray. Hello. Have you received your Mac Weldon accoutrement? We did. Uh, my choice male human purchased some of their underwear and their socks. He does a lot of CrossFit and he's part of a soccer league out here. So he wore them uh, to his game. Oh, and okay. And he said it was, it was like, like really breezy breezy not like bad breezy but it uh it uh, helped with the airflow obviously when you're out there running mm. on the field you get a little sweaty and <laughs> he was well circulated around. uh he said it had a nice cradle and then the socks after uh the socks like like you know when you run a lot well are you a runner uh no but i used to play soccer a lot so you know like when you do a lot of physical activity on your feet and your feet get sweaty and like the bottom of your socks gets that like damp skin yes yes yeah so are you talking about like sweaty balls right now i'm talking about socks specifically feet like actual socks now i also get super sweaty feet when i work out i got confused i thought there was a euphemism happening and then i just called it out i skated over the (gasps) over the dick talk and went right to feet um but i also i'll be for the best (laughs) i stole a pair of the socks too um, I, uh, used to walk dogs until I took a dog to the knee and <laughs> <laughs> I should no longer walk dogs. I, I no longer walk dogs. Um, and the socks are like really comfortable. And when I took them off after they didn't have that like damp sweatiness to it. That's like, awesome. They're supposed to be, I was reading the thing and they're supposed to be like breathable and like comfortable and really nice. And they do work. I really like them. I think I'm going to buy myself some of these socks to work out. I got the ones that uh, are like the peekaboo sock that like hide underneath your shoe. The invisible, oh, nice. the like invisible the socks? Ones. The low cut ones. Yeah, the low cut socks. I yeah, I can't socks. wear the. I bought, I got a couple of those pairs. Um, they're too big for my feet. And for reference, I'm size six and a half women's. So I have tiny feet. Uh, so fairy they feet. are, they're, they're too big for me as a lady. So I'm giving them to John okay. <laughs> when I go oh, up that's next. Kind. So. That's kind. You will take your socks. Yeah. So for people out there that are not familiar, Mack Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. They claim they are better than whatever you're wearing right now. And let's be honest, guys, I bet some of the boxes that you have are on their last legs. So if you are interested in a smart 
design, simple shopping experience, and premium fabrics, and possibly the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear, then you need to go to MacWeldon.com. They also have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor, and none of us like odor. Nope. So when you check out, it's super easy. It's just like shopping online anywhere. You want to make sure to enter that promo code WGG. That's WGG, and that will score you 20% off of your price. That's a pretty good deal. It is a pretty great deal. Time to retire those 2012 Fruit of the Looms. Get (laughs) on it. Exactly. Get yourself some new fancy bucks for these gentlemen. Undershirts. They even have polos. Check it out. They're very flattering. Don't forget that promo code, WGG. Thank you so much, Mac Weldon. And we want to give a big shout out and thank you to all of our Patreons out there. Our patrons, excuse me. Uh, Patreon.com slash What's Good Games is a great place to find exclusive behind-the-scenes photos, videos, podcast streams. We are just getting ready to post our exclusive Patreon video. Uh, I edited it yesterday. I edited it this morning. Oh, my gosh. Where's time going? I don't know. Uh, it's, a, it's a funny little video. And then we have our secret segment coming <laughs> up, which might be some of our best work yet. We are oh. going to finally test out that private Patreon RSS feed just for you guys if you are part of the secret segment tier. Check out all of those details again at patreon.com slash what's good games. All right, ladies. There is some news happening this week, and OMG, the first story is kind of a controversial one. Oh, yeah. So uh, the internet got fired up this week, surprise, surprise, about microtransactions. (gasps) Surprise, surprise. (laughs) The dirty, dirty word, microtransactions. Deja vu. According to Game Informer, Middle Earth Shadow of War will have microtransactions. To help build up their army of orcs and followers, players will be able to purchase loot chests, experience boosts, and war chests through the game's online store. Loot chests contain armor and weapons with different rarities that make the player character Talion stronger as well as experience boosts that help him level up faster. These boosts can also be purchased separately. War chests contain orc followers, which to boost your army, uh, which will boost your army, excuse me, and also have different rarities. You can also purchase all three items in bundles using the in-game currencies of Mirian. Did I say that right, Alexa Ray? Yep. Mirian. You did. Proud of you. Thank you. Acquired by defeating enemies, destroying gear, and finding stashes of it throughout the game. And gold, another currency, acquired in small amounts during certain parts of the game, participating in community challenges, and purchasing it through your console or PC's online marketplace. In its official forum post, Monolith, the developer of this game, is quick to point out that gold is only meant to save players time that they'd otherwise spend fighting battles for loot, and will not offer players an advantage over other players. A player who invests enough time can progress the same amount and have access to time or the same content as a player who purchases gold. The post says gold is not required to progress or advance in the game at all. The post did not announce the prices for gold or any of the items it or Mirian can buy. So at face value, this doesn't sound so terrible, except I kind of am conflicted about this, not just specifically with Shadow of of War, but with the idea of microtransactions in single player games in general. So, Steimer, yeah. first, tell Hi. me your thoughts. The only part I find weird is that he's like, this won't um, give you any advantage over other players. But then it's saying that it boosts Talion's strength and, like, you'll get more followers. To me, that does seem like an advantage. So, I I mean, maybe it's something you have to play and, and you you know, you'll figure it out once you get your, get into it. But just from these descriptions... 
I feel like that's contradictory. Like, it, is it making you stronger or not? Like, because you can't just try and say it's not pay to win because you, you know that pay to win is a dirty word and you're like trying to avoid yeah. it. Exactly. Right. So IGN reported about an online, a ranked online mode in Shadow of War. So this is kind of where people have gotten up in arms about being able to buy your way into boosts mm-hmm. and things of this nature because there is a ranked PvP-ish type mode yes. that's be- that's coming to sh- into Shadow of War. Alexa, can you explain to me what this mode is? Do you know about it? I knew that there was a that there was some sort of ranked online component. This is the one where you can you can take down each other's fortresses, right? You fight each other's fortresses? Yeah, so according to this post on IGN, social conquest is what it's technically That's called. It's a very weird. Way it will to task put players it. with choosing one of their captured nemesis fortresses, outfitting its defenses, appointing an orc overlord and accompanying captains, then making it available for attack by online players. Right. So they say here it's not a far cry from Metal Gear Solid 5's forward operating bases, essentially. So this, if you're the kind of player, so I'm, I'm of two minds about this. If you're the kind of player like me who will maybe probably, I don't know, who am I kidding? I'm totally going to play the online mode. But if you're the kind of player that uh, only wants to play the single player and doesn't care about leaderboards, doesn't care about ranked matches, um, and just wants to progress through the game, I can see why maybe the microtransactions wouldn't bother you if you were the kind of person who was fine with buying them. Uh, Shadow of Mordor, as I recall, got really tough in some sections. And I remember having to go back and grind a little bit to get more runes and unlock more skills just so I could get through certain parts of the campaign. And I imagine Shadow of War will be similar. Um, I find that the best part of that game is working to make yourself stronger and earning your followers the like natural dirty way where you work for it instead of paying the internet to make you more stronger. Um, But this ranked mode, I really like the idea of the fortresses in the game. And I like the idea of being able to set up a fortress and then have other players be like, come at me. Can you defeat me? Um, Especially if it's ranked, that's cool. But if you have one player that say that you know is a whale and wants to spend two hundred dollars on chests and runes and whatever, and then the person who doesn't want to do that and just goes in normally, it's an unfair advantage. Absolutely. So I can understand why people are mad. I think, and I, I spoke about this on Kind of Funny Games Daily too. The thing that really bothered me about this, and I'm super pumped for this game. Everything I've seen looks excellent. I loved the first one. Is that I'm concerned. That there has been pad put into the game specifically to incentivize people to buy these chests. Now, I don't think that that was a decision Monolith made. I would assume that's a a decision Warner Brothers made and then said, hey, Monolith, we want to sell these extra things to make more money from this game. Can't fault them for wanting to make more money. But if it means that they've made things in the economy, in the way that you grind, extra slow specifically to kind of push you to buy a chest that's where it kind of uh, rubs me the wrong I way and i think that. the um Dude. that's that's actually what i was going to say too is that like traditionally you see these types of microtransactions boosts whatever uh in free-to-play games and it doesn't feel as shitty there because it's a free-to-play game right like you didn't pay 60 dollars to then be milked further and yeah like essentially if you are have microtransactions in your game that is skipping content that usually means it's not going to feel super balanced to a player, right? Like, because 
you're going to feel that grind and it's going to be painful. And then it serves you up a microtransaction to help alleviate said pain. Uh, Again, usually this is the case for multiplayer games. So and stuff that's free to play. So it doesn't maybe come off as icky there. But this I mean, it concerns me. It's not concerning to the point where I wouldn't buy the game or wouldn't play the game. I would probably just ignore the microtransactions and then also ignore the ranked mode. Um, but I, I do think people have a right to be concerned. I, the idea of microtransactions in a single player RPG style game is something is that's not new. So I want to make sure that people understand that we know that this has happened before and mm-hmm. we've seen this before. I just don't really like it. I don't like the idea that you're paying full price, like $60 in the United States and more in some parts of the world for a game. And then they say, hey, on top of that, we're going to sell you these extra loot boxes so you can get the better gear. And I know that they're not locking it behind another paywall. But if they're going to make me grind like an extra 20, 30 hours to get content that I could pay for, I don't know how I feel about that. I love – I'm with you. I like yeah. the idea of being in an RPG, coming across an area or an enemy that I'm not strong enough to fight and knowing, okay, I got to go grind my way at least a little bit somewhere else and explore something else, do some side quests, do some mm-hmm. challenges, get some achievements or trophies and help myself you know, experience more of the world and get more powerful. And so – like I said, my concern is like, what does that pathway look like? How bad is that grind? Yeah. And I guess the only way we're really going to find that out is to wait for when the game finally launches and see just, you know, how much of an advantage these, you know, boxes or whatever that you're going to be buying are actually going to give you. Well, you were saying, and I'm calling out Warner Brothers and literally every other company that does this, there's the Mirian currency. Right. And then there's gold. Right. Can we stop with the double Currency. currency. At least <laughs> there's only currency two. currency trend needs to die. It is very confusing. I remember it being an Assassin's Creed syndicate and being like super confused about what I could spend where and how I got stuff. And like, it's pretty much in every Ubisoft game now. No, no more double currency. Please stop. It's there for a reason and it's to keep the economy balanced. So it's not going away. That's, I can barely keep track of true. one currency in real life. Can we? It's like, sorry, Alexa. Sorry, you're Alexa. Have to it, deal. It no, be there. There were no forever. microtransactions in Middle Earth. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Well, yeah, no, I agree. It's confusing. But for me, I'm like, two, as an MMO player, I'm like, two is nothing. I can handle two. Like, MMOs, there's like, here's 15 different currencies. And you're like, holy shit. How yeah. do, where, where do I use what, where? I don't know. That's true. Will you be my game accountant? I will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, if you guys have um, feelings about this, don't forget to let us know. Leave us a comment on this video. Write to us at contact at whatsgoodgames.com. Tweet to us, what's good underscore games. Um, we'd like to hear from you about this. Okay, so uh, next story. So this is kind of an interesting one. Gearbox has revealed a new game titled Project 1v1. Now, we don't really know if this is the code name or if this is the final title of the game. It says it's a shooter that combines the action of a fast-paced 1v1 first-person combat with the meta game strategy of a collectible card game. It will see a closed technical test in the coming months, and the early look at the game will offer three modes, Ranked, Challenge, and Arena. Signups are available at project1v1.com. So... Let's unpack this a little bit. One v one first person <laughs> combat with the metagame strategy of a collectible card game. So it's a first person card game. It's real. No, it's a that first person shooter real that has a card, card game, game. meta game. 
But uh, uh, <laughs> okay, hold on. Can you, read, can you read it again? Can you read it? Read it again. Yes. So it's it's a one v one first person combat with meta game strategy of a collectible card game. So I think the the thing to focus on here is the one v one first person combat. Uh, okay, so it's a. And it's one v one shooter. It's a shooter. So first it says, person so it says, combat. It's a shooter that Gearbox says combines the action of a fast paced one v one first person combat. So if it's a shooter, if it's a first person shooter like Borderlands, mm-hmm. another game that Gearbox has made, mm-hmm. that's one v one. It's competitive. Oh yeah. I've never seen really a one v one v one shooter that's ranked. Am I, maybe there's like a special mode of a very popular game that I'm just not thinking of that's 1v1 specifically. I know 3v3 is yeah. how, is something that exists. Well, but like 1v1 is kind of like, well, if you shoot somebody, they're dead and then it's over. I think, start over. right, there has <laughs> to be some something balancing that out. Like, do you shoot them and they're done? Is it like once you switch where one person gets shot and that's it? Or is it like... Uh, maybe it's like, like best out of... X amount best out of something or maybe there's like a respawn period where you can run around and take all their shit or something uh i'm confused and then the me- the meta game of a card game right so there's a collectible aspect that isn't really part of the game so when i read this the first thing i thought of was paragon so okay. paragon is a third person shooter that has a meta game with a card uh, like a card strategy game. So okay. they have a deck building system and then the deck that you build uh, gives your hero specific powers and then there's like a gem system that works with the card so it does have like this larger meta game where you have to like research these affinities and how these affinities will make your character powerful in these specific ways and yada yada yada. But that's not 1v1, that's 5v5 and it's third person not first person. Not that the fact that the perspective really matters so much in this case. I think mm-hmm. it's the fact that it's a shooter and it's one V one and that there's a card game. I think it's interesting. It's interesting. I want to see what, it's how kind of it a head plays. Scratcher. Um, but all I can think with the name is just some bro dude going one V one B bro. Like that's all I think of <laughs> when I hear right. those names. And I'm sure that, that maybe that's what they were going for. I don't know, but there literally is a right. headline on games radar. That says one v one me, bro. Gearbox me, bro. announces <laughs> I, Project One v One. Gearbox does did such a good job with Borderlands and Battleborn was such a huge like the game. It the game itself was like such a huge disappointment to me because like Gearbox knows how to do shooters. So I'm interested to see why was what it they a dis- do. why was it a disappointment for you? It was not. It was not fun. I like this story. It was really weird. Yeah, Wait, it, it was very Borderlands weird. Playing was with fun? people was not very fun. I didn't feel very, very balanced. Interesting. That's yeah, not the that... experience I had. No, Star, I did you play any Battleborn? Oh, Battleborn. Sorry. Uh, I did not. So I have no idea. So she <laughs> has abs- no opinion. I, I abstain from this conversation now. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the big question people are asking when this story was announced today is, cool story, bro. Where's Borderlands, Borderlands. 3? <laughs> Where the Borderlands Where more Borderlands. You know, not to say that Gearbox should only work on Borderlands. But they should only work on Borderlands because where is it? We're very excited about Borderlands 3. I'm Um, asking nicely. I'm hoping maybe we'll get a teaser or something at PAX West. They usually have a big presence at PAX. They have a big panel. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll get something. 
Um, or maybe we'll have to wait until Gamescom. We still have that on the horizon. Oh, shit. That's like True. next week? Yeah. Two weeks from now? It's pretty, yeah, it's close. Pretty close. Gamescom. Um, they haven't made any announcements about you know a presence there, but you never know. And I also, like, I really truly don't know how far out that game is. When did they announce it? A while ago. Like two years ago, they announced it. Um they announced that they were working on it, but they didn't. There's been no assets, right? There's not been a screenshot. There's no. not even been a title screen. There's not been a teaser trailer. There's been nothing. Radio silence from Gearbox about Borderlands Three. Yeah. Well, we just gotta it. find Randy Pitchford, corner him, <laughs> be, be like, like "We're Yo. gonna make you drink until you tell us." <laughs> he doesn't drink. That won't work. Oh, oh shit! We'll have to hypnotize him. He's it's into so magic. Much- <laughs> He'll fall for it. No, probably not. He'll no. probably like look at us trying to hypnotize him and be like, like "Really? He'll just hypnotize you back." I'll just do we never hear anything about you trying to use magic on the magic master. It's mm-hmm. not going to work. <laughs> there is no borderland. Well, we'll keep an eye on this. We'll try to get our little mitts on this closed technical test and see if we can play some of it and then talk to you about it. Yeah, um, I'll ping some people over there and be like, "Please let us play." We'll see how it goes. Um, speaking of new card games. Oh boy! Oh boy! Valve based, based on Alexa's you guys, favorite Valve franchise. Valve is making another game. It's happening. But wait! Wah, wah, Don't tell wah. me it's Dota three. I'll die. It's, it's close. not Dota three, but it Good. is a Dota card game. Artifact, oh, come the on. Dota card game. So, um, as you may know, the international is happening right now. People are playing lots of Dota two. It's okay, Alexa. I hate it. Um, so, <laughs> on stage in Seattle. Sean Day Nine Plot, who you guys might know, said it's not Half Life Three, which obviously people are like up in arms about. Wah, wah. He says that the game was not a re-release or fine-tuning of an existing game, a la Counter Strike Go or Dota Two. Then he introduced a 35-second teaser video, which admittedly gives like no information. It's just the logo, and <laughs> it says the game is going to publicly launch sometime in 2018. Now we didn't get any details about the game. Um, IGN so, had some actually. Uh, it sounded like it was going to be like there will be three lanes similar to um, a MOBA, and yeah. then like you can put the heroes down and kind of move them in between the lanes, and you'll have uh, minion cards um, that come out too. So it sounds similar to other collectible card games, but also different in that way. Because the only one that I know of that does lanes is uh, uh, the Elder Scrolls one, Legends. They have two sort of columns, but I don't think you can move cards in between the lines, or can you? I can't remember. I've never, I haven't played it. I've only seen videos of it. I've also never played it. Oh, okay. But uh, according to the story, it is a digital card game. There was no mention of an actual physical release, so this is very much like Hearthstone mm-hmm. um, in the sense that you are going to play it online. I think this this is not a surprise, right? Like, no. I mean, Dota is huge for them. It generates a bunch of money. They've looked at Blizzard and seen their success with Hearthstone, seen what Bethesda is doing with The Elder Scrolls Legends. And obviously, there's a variety of other popular card games out there. And they want to, you know, jump on that train. And it's an easy, it's an easy win for them. I just think that, why, Valve? People have been waiting for so many years for you to make a nice, big, standalone tentpole game. It doesn't necessarily have to be Half-Life 3 or Portal 3 or Left 4 Dead 3. But it could be. It could have been. You could have done that instead. I wonder if they're just done with that. If they're just like, you know what? It's not even worth it. 
we're, we're sure just like they're I'm just sure sitting people... on piles of money like let's be real they're just sitting there like <laughs> like throwing gold like, coins in the air <gasps> valve is where game designers go to retire they go and then they toodle around with stuff and then like <laughs> maybe a game gets pooped out they go there to like experiment <laughs> valve is an experiment tank so maybe they've been experimenting with this for a while and this worked internally and playtesters liked it so this is what they went with and there's got to be maybe one guy in a a girl in a corner in the dark somewhere making assets for Portal 3. <laughs> you think so? Maybe. There's got to be one. If you're that person, please let us know. We'll send you snacks. How do you ladies feel about those three franchises? Do you have any kind of personal connection to them? Do you want them to come back badly? Will it make or break your life as a gamer if you never see those franchises again? Well, Half-Life, not so much. But Left for Dead and Portal are like just brilliant games they're brilliantly designed like they don't really they have uh, a premise that is intriguing and it's enough to carry you as a narrative through line through playing left for dead 2's co-op is amazing and we haven't really seen anything anything really like it up until like splatoon 2 which i'll talk about later but uh it's it's just so good. Like I would love that. I would love an updated version of the 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 Left for Dead multiplayer to like play with my friends. You're not you're not alone. Yeah, no. I agree. I mean, I wouldn't be devastated by any means if they never made either of them again. But I think that those are both really solid franchises, and it would be sad to see them go the way of the dodo so early in there. <laughs> in their lifespan. <laughs> After our conversation from last week, I had instant. I had instant regret about choosing Kingdoms of Amalur in our third segment. And after we wrapped and I, you know, edited the the show, I was like, damn it. Why did I not bring back Portal? <gasps> Portal would have been yeah. the perfect franchise to bring back. Portal it's 2 so good. is probably one of the few perfect games I've ever played in my mm-hmm. entire life. Like Agreed. flawlessly perfect. But you left it to die. It's too late. I didn't leave it to die. You made your decision. <laughs> oh, no. You made your choice. <gasps> it's always hard. I always no forget about games. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It is. It's true. You get, t- you get time to think and then you're like, damn it, I had a better answer. Hindsight 2020. Exactly. Um, so this story I didn't put on the rundown, but it happened today and I feel like we should talk about it. Mm-hmm. So according to this story on GameSpot, there was a big No Man's Sky update that's going to launch this week on PC and PS4 for free. So the, well. next, the next big update for No Man's Sky is coming soon, following a weird ARG campaign. Developer Hello Games today announced that update 1.3 is coming out this week. Atlas Rises, as it's called, will be free on PC and PlayStation 4, just as the previous updates have been. The update focuses on improving the central story, while it also adds a fast travel feature by the way of portals. Uh, Sean Murray the founder of Hello Games, said, We've been quiet. We've been listening intently. We've spent that year working hard on free updates for this game as our team cares about so much. So if you, in case you weren't aware, they're coming up on their one-year anniversary of when No Man's Sky was released. He also released a letter, which I'm going to read real quick. Oh, boy. He said, We wanted to reach out and celebrate the devoted community that means so much to us. We launched waking titan to try to do that you've traveled a great distance both real and virtual undertaking complex tasks and explored the depths of simulation theory new friendships have been forged and a tight-knit community has been created most importantly a cute hamster has a new home wait what 
I don't know what that means. I don't know, but I like that that's what he says is most important. I know it's a joke, but... <laughs> Where is this hamster? I want to see pics of this hamster. hamster. He also revealed that more than 250,000 people came together to play this ARG campaign, okay. Waking Titan. Did I say Walking Titan before? I meant Waking. Waking so this is interesting. Um, no Man's Sky yeah. kind of had a rough go. <laughs> Uh, to put it mildly. Yeah. And now, you know, it's it's interesting hearing from Sean, having him come forward and say they still have a quarter of a million people playing this game, caring about this game. Uh, do you think that they're going to be able to bring people back to this game with this new content? No, they're shaking I, their heads. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think that bridge was burned pretty hard <laughs> yeah. like, for a lot of people. Um and it's too little I, too late. The funny, the funny part to me was, and both Alexa and I made faces at this when it was like, it's added fast travel. And I'm like, wait, there wasn't fucking fast travel in this nope. game? Like, oh, God. Oh, man. Talk about your basic 101 features. Yeah, I just think it's too little too late. Um, I think when they launched with very little of what they promised and then remained silent for so long, I think that decision to not... To not engage and then, I guess, to launch with not a lot of the stuff in it, I really think that turned a lot of people away. And I feel like, yeah, the people that are really good, really big, dedicated No Man's Sky players will probably love this and probably spend dozens and dozens of hours doing it. And if they enjoy it, good for them. But I feel like it's way too late for the people that have been burned to get unburned. Mm -hmm. And even me, as somebody who wasn't... I was never really that interested in No Man's Sky. I wasn't mm-hmm. on the hype train at all. I just thought it looked like you walk around and look at stuff. And I wasn't really interested in doing that. Um, I can look at stuff in other games and actually like do other things too. Uh, like date people. So <laughs> right, You can't bang anybody in No Man's Sky. There's no, no husbandos. Um, but all jokes aside, uh, this to no me what you just bandos. read off did not sound interesting enough for me to even want to try it. I was like... You improved your story mode. You had to fast travel. Do you want a cookie? I don't know. Like, is that are those? Like, I don't know. Are those the only things, or is there more? I didn't realize there was a story mode. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Think- there's something about like you're supposed to get to the center center of the universe and then like lick a lollipop and then eat it. Oh, is that what the is that what that big spooky triangle was? Is that like the like the lollipop? the lollipop? Yeah. Uh. I think the game is excellent for people who went into it wanting a relaxing, exploratory game where you can kind of do things at your own pace. But that's there was just... I mean, we don't really need to rehash all the things that went wrong with the launch of that game. But it's interesting to know that still so many hundreds of thousands of people still playing this game, still participating, still believing in Hello Games and Sean Murray and his team. Do you think that they'll be able to move beyond this blunder with No Man's Sky when they finally close the book and move, you know, move on to their next project, their next game? Do you think they're going to be able to leave this behind or do you think it's going to follow them forever? I think he's going to have a bit of Peter Molyneux syndrome following him around for a while. Sean Murray. Oh, is that is- what we're calling it? That's <laughs> <laughs> what I I'm guess. calling it. Because, yeah, you know, like when... When you overpromise and underdeliver, gamers are the one audience that will never let you forget. You know, like they're on you. So right. the PR and marketing for whatever they do next better be on point. They better make sure that they do not say things they shouldn't say. 
Um, just under, just under promise. Just, you know, it's way better to under promise and over deliver. Just do that. They're going to have to do some kind of Xbox exclusive and be like, it was all Sony's fault. Now we're with (laughs) Phil Spencer and we're going to do you right. Yeah. Everything's (laughs) better now. (laughs) They have to be like the Verizon guy who turned his back and is now the Sprint guy. He's like, remember when I used to be the Verizon guy? No more. I'm now the Sprint guy. Suck it, Verizon. (laughs) That's exactly a, yeah. do that yeah. <laughs> then maybe they can make a comeback or they can make like a switch exclusive and just like burn the hell out of everyone be like forget it we're now on the switch yeah but there's only the there's not on even the five million switches yeah. out there we're one of the four games on the switch <laughs> Woo! everybody go buy it Woo! wouldn't actually be a bad idea for them yeah no okay um so i was on the fence about adding this last thing do you guys want to talk about this permadeath thing in hellblade or do you want to i i don't know too much about it i only have seen some reviews and like thought the game looked interesting so, so you- from we talked about it earlier in the week and some people were upset because they thought it was spoilery so mm-hmm. we'll talk about it i'll mention it briefly if you are planning are playing i'm playing hellblade senua sacrifice that's senua yeah. sacrifice yeah, yeah. And you don't want to know about the permadeath feature and you somehow manage to avoid seeing stories about it on the internet. Please skip ahead. Skip ahead to the next segment. Skip ahead because I think this is really fascinating because I play a lot of games that have like permadeath is like a play option, but it's not just there. It's not right. a thing that exists in the campaign that you can't get out of. Like Fire Emblem, the new, the new Fire Emblem games. I brought it up. Uh, <laughs> have the option to play uh, without permadeath, so the modern version, and then there's a classic permadeath mode that makes it harder. But I've never heard of a more recent game that made this like a thing immediately. And so, you do you want to have... explain to Steimer what it is? Yes, please. Or do you want I, me to explain it? I would like you to explain it because okay. I'm vaguely aware. But so, for people that are interested to know, Ninja Theory is the developer of this game. So good. Um, they talked about how in the game there is an option for you to die permanently. So permadeath, to be clear, means you are killed enough times that you die forever, meaning your save is wiped. You have to start the game from the beginning, not from a checkpoint, not from an earlier scene, all the way from the beginning of the game, permanently dead. That's what that means, just to for clarification. So in the game, you play this girl, Senua, and... You get this rot in your arm. And if you die, the rot starts creeping up your arm. And if you die too many times, it eventually will get to your head and then you'll die forever. So you have options you have- to die. You just have a set number of resets. That's what it sounded like to me. And I've heard or I started reading some comments. I think it was an IGN article. People who were saying that there's a difference too between being downed and it counting as a death. Like, she can be downed, I think, and then you can get up if you, I don't know, push a button multiple times or something. I'm not entirely sure. I haven't played it, but. So, yeah, I mean, it just, I haven't played it specifically, but it says each time you die, Senua looks at her arm and you get a close-up of the tendrils getting stronger as they reach towards your head. Okay. So, it's a fantasy adventure game about the, so this, her character battles with a mental illness as well as this hellish underworld. So the idea of this rot plays into the kind of mind games that are, are being played with the character and played into the dark theme of the game, and it kind of all ties together. And the reason people got up in arms about this 
It's not because it exists, even though some people are mad that it exists and are just mad at the idea of permadeath in games in general. But they're mad because Ninja Theory bluffed about it. So um, some people put this to the test and they found out that's not actually true. You can't, you can actually, you'd never actually die forever, that the permadeath is not real. Okay. That you can keep dying and dying and dying and then it'll get to your head, but it will never actually delete your save. So what do you do? Like quickly turn the console off and then fudge it that way? No. So yesterday, or not yesterday, excuse me, um, PCGamesN.com is a website. They published a video where they are attempting to trigger the permadeath. They killed Senua 50 times and the game never forced a restart. Huh. So what's going on? Um, Over at Eurogamer, their reviewer spent the past day and a half trying to work out how the tendrils actually worked. Um, Ninja Theory hasn't officially commented on these people trying to break the permadeath in the game. Um, So here's what they found out. Um, according to Johnny, their reviewer, he said, every combat I got into, I purposely died at least three times in order to see if the rot would advance. If the rot advanced, I would keep dying until it stopped advancing. Here's how it progressed. First, the rot reached halfway up. After the first boss, just past the elbow. After the second boss, whole arm to the shoulder. I kept dying and experimenting, and I couldn't get the rot to advance farther. Interesting. And then, but he was still able to play and continue using checkpoints. Correct. So he said, when I got to the final sequence, hmm. she wouldn't die. She just kept getting back up. <laughs> she so wouldn't die. I was it? trying to kill her. Is she this, just wouldn't die. Is this not real? Or is it? I, I don't know. You know it's a, it's an interesting idea that you would try to talk about having permadeath in your game and then not making it something that actually happens. Yeah. Like, why would you just do that? Just to scare you. It's a mind game because the game is all about mind games. I don't yeah, know. <laughs> no, and that's and that's what people were saying. You know, they so could go meta. to the aesthetics, but the thing that I kind of was confused about is why would you talk about it then? Why would you even mention that permadeath is in the game? Because someone's going to suss this out. This is this is the era of people sleuthing their way through the internet right. and figuring stuff out in an instant, right? So clearly by us. people have made these videos already saying, hey, we're going to show you how the permadeath works. Yeah. And then they're like, wait a minute, the permadeath doesn't work. Hey, Ninja Theory, what's that all about? Maybe somebody accidentally, like when an engineer forgot to like hit the final thing to make it, <laughs> make it a real feature. Uh-oh. Now they're like, oh crap, patch it back in. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, Patching I don't know. Permadeath. Again, I haven't played it. I, I haven't even seen these articles that you can't can't permadie because I, I was under the impression you could. Hmm. But well, that's interesting. Hmm. Maybe you still can. Maybe they just didn't die good enough. Yeah, maybe they just need to get better at dying. I mean, like, come on. But I mean, if you died fifty times, no, that's a lot. That's it a seems lot like an excessive amount. <laughs> so what the heck? Yeah. Anyway. Heck. What heck. the heck? Oh, heck. heck. How do you guys feel about permadeath in general? I don't uh, usually like it. You do or don't? Do not. Do nope. not. I don't want to waste my time. Uh, there's a time and a place for permadeath. <laughs> uh, I will typically go for the permadeath option when I have like played the game already. I'm talking about Fire Emblem again specifically, but I've played the game already and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it with permadeath. It's not something that I immediately go to right away i feel like permadeath is just kind of 
kind of evil, especially when you put that much time into something, if you don't know that the permadeath is there. Right. And if you have, like, for example, if it's something like Dark Souls, where you have really horrible bosses, and then you have permadeath, like, that doesn't encourage players to keep trying to come back. So Right. It's it's all permadeath. Permadeath and how it's – how uh, whether or not permadeath is, like, a good thing or a fine thing, I think, is totally dependent on how the rest of the game is balanced. So – yeah, yeah I, I thought it sounded interesting. Again, like my usual knee-jerk reaction is hell no to permadeath, but I thought it was an interesting concept just based on the the entire um, lore of this game. I thought it actually could have, you know, would work well with it. Um, but but if it doesn't work, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, well, now you know. All right, I think that's going to wrap up our news for the week. We're going to take a very short break, and then we're going to come back and talk about some stuff that we've played. Don't go anywhere, everybody. We will be everybody this is the what's good games podcast and we have a very special segment two sponsor we do yes Ooh. well let me read it for you and i've been instructed to read this exactly as is i'm excited i conjure thee empowered with the strength of the greatest power i command thee creature of the water bring forth life unto this world i command thee come at once Oops, I've just read an ancient ritual and I've summoned the ghoulies, a group of demons hell-bent on wreaking havoc at any cost. Whether you're in the market for a baby ghoulie, a cat ghoulie, a rat ghoulie, or a fish ghoulie, these adorable foul-tempered critters have got you covered. College-educated and ready to rock, there's a ghoulie for any occasion. Whether you're looking to terrorize a college campus during prank week or just want to add a dash of fun to your amusement park funhouse, they'll remain visible to only to you and obedient at at all times. Available for weddings, bar and bat mitzvahs, corporate events, and more. Ghoulies. They'll get you in the end. <laughs> Did you say that these ghoulies were college educated? Maybe. Dang. Yes. I've never heard They're very smart ghoulies. They are college educated. Wow. Even the cats and the rats and the fish. The, I bet you the Dang. fish and the cat ghoulies don't get along. Probably not. I bet you they do. I bet because they're college educated. They're, they're not like some savage ghoulies over there. They're sipping tea and smoking on pipes. Do you think uh, Ghost and Maverick would get along with a cat ghoulie? That's a great question. If only we could find out. Oh Look boy. out. There's ghoulies everywhere. All right. So, Miss Alexa Ray. Hello. What have you been playing? I've been playing Splatoon 2 and I wore my Splatoon hat. I'm so excited celebrate. to play this game. So, I finally got my copy it's in my Switch. I finally, for the first time, hooked up my Switch dock to the television. Dang. I have never played my Switch on the TV. Wow. I've I haven't ever played it in handheld mode. Wow. Yeah. Welcome. So I was ready, and then I got distracted by V42 from Paragon. So tell me all about <laughs> so tell me all about Splatoon 2. So, Splatoon 2. 
isn't a sequel so much as it took basically what worked from Splatoon, which was all of Splatoon, and then all of that post-launch content, like all those new weapons, all those tweaks and small updates, and wrapped it together and released it as Splatoon 2. And the one... The one big new thing gameplay-wise, I'll get into multiplayer modes in a second, but the one big new thing gameplay-wise for Splatoon 2 is you uh, you can purchase, let's say you go into a online match and another player has like a gun or something that you haven't seen, you haven't seen before, you don't have. Once you see it, you can actually go buy, go back and buy it if you have the money for it, if you've earned enough currency for it through playing the single player mode and through playing online. And they will randomly generate buffs that you can then scrub and then pay a hefty sum of in-game money to assign a specific buff to one of your weapons. So you can essentially, that's like the easiest way I can explain it without getting into the nitty gritty of it, but you can basically customize your weapons, Hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, It is the same Splatoon. There are a lot of different maps. Uh, I played, uh, I played most of the weekend. I played in Splatfest uh, which was uh, Nintendo does this cute little thing. Was that the was that the thing the, the ke- mayo versus mayo ketchup? Versus yeah. ketchup. Which one were you? I was team mayo because okay. ketchup gives me acid reflux. Oh, well, yeah. there you go. And mayo, thing. mayo means all sorts of things, right? But then without mayo, like aioli wouldn't exist. I, exactly, aioli, 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 aioli wouldn't exist. And yeah. I feel like mayo would be the underdog. And in Japan, they put mayo in everything. And I've had like mayo Spicy on pizza mayo. and like tuna mm. rolls yeah so i went with team oh mayo. yeah yeah and team mayo uh team ketchup was winning as of saturday afternoon and then in a wild upset in like the last two hours of Splatfest, team mayo like overthrew team ketchup yeah. nice it was it was really really great uh i did run into some issues with people like so nintendo has set it up where the opposite team can't they can't camp outside your spawn point which is okay. something that i really like about splatoon's design in general but we had people camping uh over the ledge and under the the spawn point so i would like leap out of my spawn point and be like i'm ready to go and then there'd be a person waiting there to just shoot me out of the air and i have really slow reflexes spawn so this didn't camper, work out very well dirty spawn campers i i i love it it's everything that worked about splatoon 2 with a little bit more uh it looks way better on the Switch than it did on the Wii U. Like Not shocking. The design is just amazing. The lobby for uh, the online modes is like a rave. And they have these two new squid characters that are really cute. One is like this super hot DJ lady and then like this cute little girl. And they're like dancing on this platform and everyone else is standing all around you. And you can read their little Miiverse, uh, their little Miiverse messages. It's just – I like looking at it. I like just hanging out in the lobby and looking at it. Um there was an issue last week, however, where all of the art in the lobby was like furry art, and there was like this big Twitter upset about Oops. the furry art. <laughs> was it intentional I, furry art, yes. or was it accidental furry it art? You can't accidentally furry. furry. I love, I love the Splatoon. I don't know. I could, I could imagine <laughs> Nintendo making accidental furry art, and then somebody going like, "No, it hey. was intentional furry art." It was like other people's furry art. And they they made like it, somebody like somebody from the community's furry art? Yeah. That it's they like just community took? art. Yeah. That it, like that showed up over their head while they were in the lobby. Do you so did Nintendo do this or did the community do this? It's the community. community like, Nintendo did it. has no control over it. It's the oh. art that fans have made. And Nintendo has set it up now so that in arenas it will randomly pull art made by players and display it on the billboards around the arenas. So like for Splatfest 
the mayo and the ketchup ink looked really like the ketchup ink looked like blood and the off-white mayo ink looked like another bodily fluid. Ew. Yeah. So it looked really, really gross. So on the wall, I I jumped into a match and someone's art had like, it was a picture of, if you've seen Batman, Piderman, it was a picture of Batman yelling the word blood like over the arena that someone had drew. Like it pulled the random art. It was cute. It's cute that they're like giving their community more of a... Is cute the word it, that you're, you're going no, with here? No, because <laughs> the ink looks really bad. But good job, Nintendo. It was a really fun uh, slap vest. The one thing... <laughs> the one thing I don't slap. like about Splatoon 2, period. Uh, I love the online modes. I like that they've sort of tweaked it a little more to make you, make you feel more accomplished. Uh, two things. Still no working chat. I did not buy the chat headset or get the chat app because I was reading some online instructions on how to get the chat app to work. And it has to be open on your phone and the screen has to be on. If you lock your phone, it'll like shut off your chat. Yeah, you have to turn you have to turn your phone like the sleep mode settings off. It just needs to be open the whole time. And if yeah. you get a text message, it kicks you, right? It kicks you. And I can't I, I haven't tested it tested it yet. I've been reading up on it. I think maybe I'm gonna grab it and give it a go. Um I don't like, I love and I hate, um, I love the setup of Salmon Run. I love it. I think it's one of the better online multiplayer, cooperative multiplayer modes I've played in recent years, um, which is basically a horde mode. Okay. And uh, the arena constantly changes, like the water level will rise or like some, like an, a different enemy will get thrown at you or like a horde will be bigger or smaller. And I really like it. However, the Salmon Run is not open all the time. You can only do a Salmon Run in specific windows of time to be determined by Nintendo that are not regular, you have to open the game and check to see when the next like five time slots are. It's inconsistent, which sucks because I love Salmon Run and after playing it for like two days with people and then I go back to play it again and it's like Salmon Run's not open and it's like this is the best part of the game. Why is it not constantly why is it not constantly available? And I get that Nintendo wants to sort of shepherd players to the same playtime, so there's a high volume of people trying to be matched up during that time. But I think by pigeonholing its best online, its best online mode into one specific time, I think they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. Do you think they're doing that because they're worried about server load? Yes, I do. But but I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> still mad about it. Yeah, I would like, like you talking about it. I'm like, oh, it sounds fun. And then you're like, you can only do it certain times. I'm like, well, screw it. I guess I can't play it then because probably won't yeah. be a time when I. What if it's the time where I can't play it? Right. Then I just don't get to enjoy this mode. Why? Because no. if it's a competitive or not a competitive, if it's a cooperative mode, like why wouldn't we just be able to party up and go do it? Like play with people yeah. on your friends list or whatever. Right. Exactly. It's, like, and it's not a. Comp- I can understand them doing that more for a competitive mode than I mm-hmm. could for a cooperative one. It super bums me out because, like, most other companies have figured out how servers work and how to handle online server modes, and like the other Splatoon worked fine. So I don't like if there's test. I, uh, I don't want to like be like, oh, maybe they're testing to see how popular this mode is, but like. All your other modes are open and you can sign on every time. You have players around the entire world signing on at different times. Uh, it works okay for Mario Kart. Like on- online modes in Mario Kart work totally fine. Maybe they were just testing the water since it's still pretty new. Maybe they're going <laughs> testing to... Testing the waters. Yeah, pun intended. Um, maybe they're going to bring this online in a in a all-the-time kind of way once I they so. get, a, get a handle on it. 
Yeah, I've I've seen and heard good things about this. Um, I'm intrigued about the gun system. Yeah, Did you'd be. That's you're a shooter lady, so that's right up your alley. Yeah, um, there's like a paint roller gun. There's a that one's actually my favorite. It's a giant, just like a paint roller that you would use to like paint a wall, and it's a big one, and you can pick it up and flick paint at your opponents or you can literally run with it on the ground and roll over them and like splat them like it's a really easy like, way to take out like a steamroller yeah like, <laughs> except you're a paint roller i like that one i like that one and then i uh i really like the old like classic gun like the default gun they give you i know a lot of people trade it out right away but i really like it because it's very simple and then you can throw bombs you can throw paint bombs i feel like we need to do a real life Splatoon video of us running with around paint. Oh. No, like, like, can we uh, use paint? What that would is you not call paint balloons red. instead yes. of water balloons? Water yeah, we I'm gonna do stew on this idea. I like it because I, I want to figure some shoot stuff out. Paint. We'd have to find people. a place that wouldn't mind us getting egregiously dirty. Uh, a paintball place. Oh, there we go. Like, I'm yeah, sure I don't want to use mind. paintball guns. I don't want to use paintball. No, because those things are hard. bruises. But like <gasps> rolling somebody with a giant paint roller sounds fun. Mm-hmm. I, also I just want to put like, paint, paint on people. Let's do it. Let's look into fun. this. I really like this idea. <laughs> okay. But I also, also just want cool. to play the game with you guys. Alexa, I gave you my friend code and you never added me. What? Wait a minute. When did you give me your friend code? Like a long time. Like three weeks ago, I gave you my friend. I was like, I just oh. got Splatoon 2. I'm not, whatever. When just well, this sounds like we should do a stream. I have like 60 unresponded friend requests. So what? if you're one of them, I'm really sorry. I don't know. I'm really bad. No, I gave it to you so that you could add me because I'm Can you a give it to me again? I'll add you when I get home. Yeah. I promise. Okay. Hey, take your business elsewhere. We're doing a podcast right now. Uh, But Splatoon. Last <laughs> <laughs> time, have you played it yet? I, pl- I only played um the single player stuff because campaign. I was on an airplane campaign stuff. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to actually jump into multiplayer modes. Number one, because I, I kind of wanted to wait for you guys. I wanted to play with you. Yeah. Um, and that's really it. Because I, I don't like doing multiplayer on my own. Um, that makes sense. You're yeah. not alone. And Alexa will, will fix do the chat problem you. by just getting on Discord together and it'll be fine. Yeah, we can do that. That's like a really good solution. I know Nintendo... I, uh, I, I'm not going to open the old argument of Nintendo. Everyone else has figured it out. Why are you trying to reinvent the wheel? But I don't know about that. What we'll do to solve (laughs) this problem is we'll, people have been asking for this anyway. We're going to create a what's good games discord channel. Um, I haven't gotten around to doing it yet, but it's, it's on my to-do list. People, I hear you. I know you want it. Um, especially for our exclusive streams. It'd be great. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a discord. It'll be great. We'll play Splatoon 2 with everybody. It'll be lots of fun. We'll splat. It'll be good. Splats. Uh, Steimer. Yeah. What have you been playing? Well, it's a good thing I didn't talk about Pyre last week because I have not had a chance to play anything this week at all. Um, I went to Boston over the weekend for like a family trip and I brought my Switch with me, but I didn't actually end up using it at all. Um, So no more Zelda for me. But uh, so Pyre was the last thing I played, and I still have fond memories of it from last week. So let's and, talk about it. Yeah. So the thing that I love most about Supergiant Games is extremely superficial, but I don't care. I think their artists are top-notch. 
Mm-hmm. That's I not think superficial. The art, the art, art is a huge part of games. I know, but it, you know, it's like, well, it's pretty, but well, you know, how this does it play? Too- and we'll get to that in a minute. But I want to talk about how it looks first, <laughs> because I just think they do color so well. Oh, yeah. So many games are muted tones and sort of drab to look at. And I really appreciate that Supergiant has fun with color. And they're like, you know what? There's some lime green and some red right next to each other. And somehow it looks great. Like, you know, they just they are masters of their craft. And I appreciate them. It is a beautiful looking game. Absolutely. Yeah. I just want to look at it all the time. Uh, And then, obviously, the game itself is very fun. So uh, you've played it, too, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, Because you're better at, like, explaining would you play like me things. to explain it? I'm gonna like I'm gonna pass the ball to you, just like you do in Pyre. <laughs> okay, spiritually dunk on people. So the basic explanation, um, I'm just gonna read from their website, and then I'll tell you about the world. It's a party-based RPG in which you lead a band of exiles to freedom through an ancient competition spread across a vast and mystical purgatory. So you you wake up and you are was known as a reader in this fictional world uh literacy is banned it's outlawed you're not allowed to read you would not survive there. i would hate this world. i would be I real sad um you're picked up by this trio of characters who are also exiles and they kind of save you from death you like need water you need food you're out in the middle of this wasteland and they save you and that's kind of where the story begins and they have this strange mystical book in their wagon and they're like, Hey, you have some markings on you. So we have to assume it's some kind of like brand or, or tattoo or something they're like, we know that those markings mean that you're a reader. So fess up, read this book. for so, us. So, says. so read this book. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you do, and you find out that reading this book opens this kind of gateway to these things called the rights. The rights are these 3v3 combat scenarios that you must pass in order to eventually win back your freedom, to return from exile and no longer be banished. And these other exiles are like, hey, we want in on this action. We're going to fight these rights with you. And we're all going to you know, ride the freedom train together. Um. So the the gameplay is very interesting. So you, th- there's no PvP component, but I, I think this would be a really fun game if they incorporated that at some point. You have three different heroes. Each one has a unique skill set. They move at different speeds. So there's a, 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 a little guy who's quick and can jump high. There's like a average size guy who moves at medium pace, but he can do these cool flips. And then there's like a really big character. Uh, she moves very slowly, but she's got a really powerful like stomp ability. And she's got like a rush ability. And these, these are just the three starting characters. As you progress, you'll meet other people along your journey and your team will become bigger and you can, you know, kind of decide who you want to take into the right with you and what happens when you're in the right is that there's an orb that drops in the center of the court you have to get the orb before the enemy team does and then once you have the orb you have to deliver it into the pyre of the enemy team so at each side of the court there is a a circular pyre Once you drop the ore in it, it goes up into flame. And you have to do this a certain amount of times to extinguish the other team's flame. Each time you kind of 
you know, dunk the orb or shoot the orb into their pyre, how you get it there determines how many points you take off of their pyre. Now, your character has an aura around you, and when you're holding the orb, your aura goes away. And this is important because the enemy team can extinguish the aura of your teammates. And so you have to constantly be managing where your teammates are in relation to the enemies. Because if they extinguish your aura, then you're banished temporarily, meaning you lose a player. So you're down a man or two um, on the field. And so it's an interesting dynamic between the two teams of managing, okay, who can move the fastest? Who can throw the, the highest? Who can jump the highest? Because you have a stamina bar you have to manage. So you can't just run endlessly. You can make short sprints, but then if they come after you, they can steal the orb from you. And as you progress through the game, the complexity of the design of the courses of where the pyres exist on the map and the complexity of the moves that the enemy teams have is really well executed in my opinion. So now that I've kind of explained the gameplay, Steimer, tell me what you thought of it. So I've really been enjoying it. When, when they first announced pyre, I was a little confused and I thought it was a PVP game. Uh, and then I was like, nope, I'm not interested. Uh, and so then when you guys were talking about it and you were like, no, 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 it's not. I was like, oh, all right, cool. Like, I, I will go give it a shot now. Um, but like you said, I do think it's ramping up quite nicely. Uh, it's not, it doesn't just immediately kick your ass. You know, it, it's kind of like, all right, let's get a little bit harder, a little bit harder. And I've gotten, how many more people do I have now? I think I have two extra folks in addition to the main three the last one i'm in love with is he the husbando no he's an adorable little imp and i love him and i hope they make a plushie uh and it's just like the, the characters are great because again their artists are amazing um and then i love the way that they all play individually so each thing has its own special moves um has its own amount of stamina like like whatever they can kind of do and I've been enjoying mostly playing as as Rookie, uh, who's the dog-ish type person, and he's, a cur, he's technically he's a that's cur. his race in the game. Oh, well, <laughs> I, did you? I made him shave his mustache. <laughs> I made him shave his mustache too. It was a weird, creepy mustache. What? It was. It was a creepy. Do you mustache. have a character? So in between these rights, you're in the wagon with these other exiles, oh, and I you know. can have conversations with them, and you can also the level them oh, up. Yeah, so you there's can, an RPG component to the, the game. So yeah, they have. They each have their own. <laughs> they each have their own skill trees, and they all have some spare time. Uh, in between certain parts of the game where you have to choose it's sort of time man- it's sort of like persona in that way like you have to mm-hmm. choose how to manage your time and you can either level up somebody by spending time with them individually or you can go hunting for items that you could then sell to then purchase to then equip on your friends um and make them do better cooler things so i've been enjoying that it's not it's not an overly simplified game there's a lot of complexity there that you can dig into uh, or you can just go dunk on people if you're good at it, yeah. which I'm not. I've I've been like zipping around as rookie, but sometimes, you know, that strategy doesn't always work. So now I'm trying to learn how to use, um, I forget her name, but the giant girl. Jody Starts Jodorino. with a J. Yeah. Um, and using her as sort of like a blockage system because her aura is so big. Uh, but then obviously making sure that she's not too vulnerable and somebody's because you can still get murdered essentially if they um blast you with their aura 
So it's it's there's a lot of strategy in it. I'm not super great at it yet, but I'm enjoying learning. And I'm like, oh, you know, you have a bit of anxiety under each match, but a good kind of anxiety. And um, it's just there's a lot of excitement there. And then you win and you're like, ha, screw you, AI, who's not a real person. So, yeah, I, do, I agree with you. I actually do think this would be fun um, to play against other people with. It's yeah. in, in addition to the rights and the gameplay and the really kind of, you know, complex nature of the way that the the rights play out these characters are all super unique yeah. and uh, and what's great about it is that so the dialogue happens with text on screen and they each have a voice but it's all gibberish so mm-hmm. you, they are talking to you but you can't it's not actual words there's no real language it's like some kind of made-up language that Supergiant created. La, 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 is what yeah, it sounds like. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting just like how unique each voice is for each different character. Not just the characters that you play with, but the NPCs that you come across in the world have a, a really unique way of talking as well. And of course, the fantastic, beautiful music from Darren Korb. That oh, it's so good. At Supergiant Games. So and good wonderful wonderful music in this game and then uh, another thing i'm not sure because i obviously have only played through it once but maybe andrew you can speak to it if you made other choices when you are talking with your companions um you make certain choices on what you can say back to them dialogue wise i've for the most part successfully given them hope um at the end of that conversation it'll be like plus one hope but with uh, I I can't pronounce her name. Jill, Jill the giant just girl, Jody. Yeah, <laughs> just call her Jody. Yeah. Um, she, uh, I gave, I accidentally like told her I was afraid of her, and then it was like minus one hope, and I was oh like, oh God. no, I'm so sorry, crap. <laughs> <laughs> so I liked, but um, I did, I liked that. I appreciated that there was some sort of a consequence mm-hmm. to what I was telling to these people. Yeah, I gave them, there's other traits in addition to hope that you can give them as well. I haven't gotten a minus anything yet, so. I did. I'm sorry, <laughs> I I'm Jody. Doing, I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> well, in fairness, Jody's uh, the, the race that she is, is she's a demon. Yeah. She's got horns coming out of her head. She's got a giant, amazing braid. Oh, God. I but, she looks so cool. Um, yeah, she's a, the design of that character is really interesting. The design of everything, like the writing, the music, the art, like everything... Like, super giant did it again. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I have to admit, I did not really get into Transistor. Absolutely over the moon for Bastion. Mm-hmm. Loved that game. I am the opposite. I didn't like Bastion that much, and I loved Transistor. Really? Yeah. You think with me and the red hair that Red and I would have connected on a deeper level. But I just, I think the, the turn-based part of that game just kind of... I was like, eh, oh. I, I couldn't get into it. I'm and all about turn-based. Some people about this game about Pyre is that the, the these rights are just a little too confusing for them. I thought that the tutorial that they give you is pretty excellent as long as you take your time through it and yeah. read everything that's on screen you and don't to try absorb. to rush your way through it. Because if you don't really learn the basics at the beginning, like the difficulty ramps up mm-hmm. pretty crazily once you get, you know just a little bit into the game they the onboarding is nice and slow but then they're like okay you got it here we go (laughs) i did actually check because i wasn't sure how how good i was going to be at this game i was like is there an easy mode and there is i'm playing on normal right now and i've been okay uh but i kind of like having that as a comfort you know like all right well if, if shit hits the fan i can just bump it down to easy mode and move along right yeah so you can change the difficulty at any time as far as i'm aware that does not affect your progress or anything of that nature so 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't finished it yet. I'm definitely looking forward to playing more. Um, so if you guys have played Super Giant Games before, or even if you haven't, if this is going to be your first time, this is uh, a really excellent game. Um, really having a fantastic time with it. Do it. Highly recommend. Um, and Andrea, you've been playing some more what what else have you got i know you so you- i've been playing two things i've been playing i'm i'm deep into Fortnite now and then i'll Paragon. never catch up <laughs> i saw you i saw you tweeting about paragon earlier this week what happened with paragon so paragon has been pushing and promoting v42 which is a giant patch that is dramatically overhauling the meta for the game okay so for people who haven't heard me talk about paragon before i don't know how you haven't i talk about it a lot for real, guys. <laughs> um it's a it's a moba it's a third person moba that epic games has made um it's been an open beta for a little while now i've been playing it since its early access days and this was a, a huge change because they were essentially blowing up the card system that powers your hero from before and replacing it with a brand new card system so what this means for someone like me who's a legacy player that has over 400 hours into the game it means that i have to start over which on one hand i admit i got upset about i got really angry as you should at the beginning i was like when i first heard about this i I got to play uh, in the closed technical test of, of this new update and i was mad I was like, man, I've spent a lot of time building my decks, perfecting my heroes, working on my master skins, and now I have to start over. Are they giving you anything as like, here's some new, I don't know what you'd do, Oh, yeah, so what they've done, they didn't wipe away all of the inventory that I have accumulated over the time. So when I went into this, I had 1.9 million reputation, which is the in-game currency that you earn what that sounds like a lot yeah so because the reason i had so much and a lot of other legacy players had so much because there was just nothing to spend it on because if you were like me and you got like the ultimate founders pack Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of early access you were granted all of the masteries for every character that they released and generally you earn reputation through each match it's the in-game currency that you earn as you play and then you can spend that reputation on um deck slots or you can spend it on buying masteries and buying the mastery for a hero allows you to unlock chests and inside the chests are additional rewards you can get gold in the chest you can get xp boost you can get more reputation boost you can get card packs you can get all kinds of stuff in the chests so you want the mastery for that reason um i wanted it because i just wanted the master skin that you get by the time you level up your character all the way because they're really cool um and so Players like me were like, hey, we have all this stuff and we have nowhere to spend it. You need to help us out. And so they're like, okay, we're going to give you a place. So now they've changed the mastery system. So a character that I've maxed out, I've, um, I have four master skins. So let's take Sparrow, for example. She's a carry. She's a cool archer carry. And they now will allow me to buy another level to essentially prestige her. And do the mastery again so I can earn rewards again, which is great. 
that part of it is excellent because they need to incentivize people who are playing their game the most to keep getting rewards. Because if I keep playing and I'm not getting anything out of it, eventually I'm going to walk away from it because I'm not progressing. Progression is a huge thing in MOBAs. You have mm-hmm. to keep the people coming back. There's a reason why people who love MOBAs put thousands of hours into MOBAs. But the way that Paragon was structured before, it wasn't really set up for that. So I'm really glad that they that they did that because it makes me now able to earn more chests earn more loot and now they've added a mastery crown so I can show my mastery of a character with whatever skin that I have because I have a lot of skins for Sparrow because she's one of my favorite characters to play with but I only had the master skin to show that I mastered her but now I have a cool crown that I can so wear So they all, all the have like their own individual crowns? Um, so no the crowns are actually designed to reflect the level of mastery you are so they will change over time so they start out as like these kind of like little like nub things <laughs> and then they gr- eventually like will grow into like a bigger badass crown okay. the higher your mastery level is hmm. which is kind of a neat idea so yeah. you can you'll be able to instantly tell when you're running into other people you know in the arena like what level of a character? Oh shit! They got a crown. Run away! <laughs> yeah, or it makes you a target. I found when I was playing PvP with my master skin that I would get targeted quite a bit because they're like, "Oh yeah, you're a master. Watch me kill you over and over again." And then I'd be like, yeah. "No, stop, stop and killing you're me!" You're like, "Please no." <laughs> um, so I'm glad that they did that. The thing that I'm, you know, struggling with still is there's all of the cards I have to relearn. So I'd spent Ugh. there was over 90 cards in the previous version i'd have to look up exactly how many there were how many are there now um that's a great question i don't know because i haven't looked at them all yet oh no (laughs) but they're all different some of the names are the same but all the attributes are different because they've incorporated a gem system in addition to the cards so second currency i was about to say alexa you added gold into the the third currency (laughs) alexa you were worried about two currencies paragon coins more complicated get out Stop. Wait. The multiple currency. It is bad. I am not an accountant. I'm bad you at You need math. a spreadsheet in order to figure this shit out. No, I need a spreadsheet. Exactly. No. You do. Um, so the thing that's great about this is now that I've overcome my anger at, at losing all of the knowledge that I had before and having to essentially start over with this deck built, new deck building system, is that it kind of has given it a renewed lease for me, right? So now it kind of has given the community an even playing field. Well, sort of even. If you were like a Platinum or Diamond League player, you're still going to be beating everybody. But for people who are like me, who are very comfortable in Silver League, totally okay to maybe scratch at gold, but I don't, you know, I'm not a serious like professional player. I just like to have fun with my friends. Um, it allows me to now experiment with characters that maybe I wouldn't have played before, or maybe try a hero that you know I've been putting off trying because I can, you know, do something different with the deck building, and I can still earn more rewards. They've raised the level cap from 50 to 99. But if you're a oh legacy player, you're you got kind of auto leveled. So I got auto leveled to I think 88. For, mm. based off how many um, hours in the experience level and stuff that I had built up from them. So okay. now I can, you know, get close to, to maxing out and, you know, I can earn new stuff and, you know, try out, some, try out some new heroes and see how things go. Clearly, you know, Epic wants this to be a game that's going to uh, really embody what other MOBAs are doing on a competitive scene. And it just wasn't that before. And they are making changes to hopefully bring in more players and, you know, appeal to people who play other MOBAs. So if you play other MOBAs 
And thank you for sticking with this conversation. If you're like, I hate MOBAs, I'm never playing MOBA. <laughs> I mean, I adore you, so I've stuck with it. <laughs> thank you. And also, like, I've played League, and I just didn't care for it. And I've played, like, a very smidgen of Dota. Too complicated for me. Paragon was something that was really easy for me to get into. The art style is great. It's third person. It's very action-y. It's got very um, great shooting mechanics because you have epic games. You know, people who have a, a long history of making shooters. I would say maybe give it a go. And it's free to play. So, like, I mean, you're not spending any money to try it out. So Yeah, the thing that threw me off when I played with you is that I am used to League, and I'm used to having that top-down view. See, I don't like that. I like it a lot because I need to I want to see what's going on around me. I want to see if somebody's trying to flank me. I want to see if someone's coming up behind me. Like so that's part of the There's a lot of things of strategy, you need though. to know and Actually, Alexa's like hiding behind. I want to see if someone's flanking me. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna teach you. We're, well, we still have to do our stream, Alexa. Where yeah, I teach you you're to play. gonna teach me Paragon. It'll be great. The only MOBA I will allow to touch my hands. It's um, they have a bunch of fun characters. So, yeah, I've been having a great time with not that. as and cool then, um, as DJ Sona. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been playing um more Fortnite. I am like one mission away from unlocking the next map. Which Ooh. I'm pumped about. Nice. It's um those llamas, man. Those loot llamas. I saw you. I saw you tickling those llamas. <laughs> yes, if you missed me streaming last week, the archive is up. You can watch me tickle some llamas and destroy some stuff. I realized during my euphemism. stream, I never showed you guys my base. Oh, that was like a huge oversight on my part. Oh boy, Oops. I guess I'm gonna have to stream Fortnite again. Oh boy, oh, so I can show you guys my cool base that I'm building. Uh, luckily, I hadn't expanded into Plankerton, which is the second map, because they pushed a big update because it's in early access. So they're going to be pushing updates quite frequently. But they made a big oopsie and didn't tell their community that they were pushing an update that would destroy the bases beyond the initial map because they made a change in some of the um, back-end gameplay that they're like, well, it's not going to be compatible with stuff on this map, this map, this map. So they had to wipe people's bases and they refunded all of their materials, which is good. So some people got like, I saw someone tweet that they had like 55,000 steel like in their oh inventory when they <laughs> logged in. Cause they were like, what happened to my base? I spent like 30 hours making that base. So that's a, that's a huge bummer that yeah. their bases got wiped and Epic apologized and said, hey, we should have communicated better. We should have told you that this was going to happen, given you some warning. Maybe people could have taken screenshots or whatever. And they could have prepared at least mentally for like, hey, I'm going to lose all this progress. Mm. I mean, but yeah. that's one of the downfalls of playing in early access is that stuff like that happens. So that was that was bad. And they apologized. They said they won't do it again. They were like, that was bad of us. Oops. Doesn't make it, doesn't make it, you know, reverse or change. But but you know, it's not much least, you can do about it at this point. At except, least they yeah, acknowledge, apologize, they, and move they on. Up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm very much looking forward to playing Splatoon. I'm looking yeah. forward to playing Pyre. There's just so many games out right now. I'm still playing Zelda. Uncharted is like it's so, it's so, so close. So it's close. next week, you guys. Uncharted. Is it? Oh, bark. Sonic is next week too. Sonic. Sonic is here. Well, I don't care about that as much as Uncharted, but yeah, we'll have uh, we'll have lots to talk about. All right, so that'll do it for this week's hands-on section. When we come back, we've got a fun off-topic for you. I think you guys are gonna like it. Oh boy, stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
everybody. It is the third segment of the Let's Begins podcast. Before we get into our off topic for the week, Stime Time has got a message from one of our fantastic sponsors. I Take do this. indeed. I do. Hit it. So, everyone struggles to feel good sometimes. Yes? Yes, I think we can definitely. all agree. All the time. Feeling depressed after a breakup or anxious about a job interview is part of life. But for some people, those feelings never really go away or it gets worse over time. If that sounds like you or someone you know, you're not alone. And there's help. At TakeThis.org, our friends... Yeah, (laughs) sorry. This is the first time I'm reading this. (laughs) Our friends have collected advice and articles from mental health workers and other people who've been there. From advice on how to find a therapist to when to know it's time to get help... TakeThis.org is a treasure trove of information about your brain and what to do when it hurts. Take This has been working to bring the mental health care community and the video game community together since 2012. If you or someone you love could use some perspective, visit them at TakeThis.org. And if you have the resources to donate or volunteer, TakeThis.org is where you can do that, too. It's dangerous to go alone. Take This. Awesome. I actually just saw a cool article that one of their um, healthcare professionals wrote about how getting enough sleep is essential for good mental health. I love very sleep. True. But it's one of those things that we forego a lot of times, and we do it sometimes to play games. We stay up too late playing games, and it's not good for your mental health. I am a big fan of the midday nap. Yes, napping is so good. That nap, 20 minutes. I got to bring my nap queen pillow out here. It's a pretty good pillow. It's a great pillow. Um, sleep also, is also tied to weight management, also, just so you know. Getting sleep is good for a variety of reasons. Yes. Get sleep, everybody. And if you um, have any questions, takethis.org is a great uh, resource. We will be volunteering with them in the we AFK will. room at PAX West. So if you will be at PAX West and you need to take a break, come by the AFK room. We take will be there on Sunday. And we'll be doing a little special something with them during our panel on Saturday, 5 p.m. Don't forget, mark your calendars. Um, so... Now, all right, ladies, question time. I saw someone tweeting about a, about a topic that I thought would be an interesting discussion for us to have. All right, hit us. So we're all big fans of television. We've watched TV throughout our lives. Yep, indeed. But sometimes you forget about shows. Is that the one we're doing? Or we're doing the other one. <laughs> we're doing we can do but whatever now we want. We've committed to the first one now, so we can do both. <laughs> Dang it. I'm sorry. We're I screwed roll it up. No, it's okay. We did it. Totally fine. It's okay. I screwed something up earlier. There's TV shows that we all have loved that have fallen by the wayside, that have just been completely forgotten to time, but they deserve another chance to be remembered. And tonight on the What's Good Games podcast, we're going to talk about a TV show that meant something to us that you have definitely forgotten about that you are going to remember and go, God damn, that was good television. Or at least you think it was good television. (laughs) Sometimes you go back and you're like, oh, well... (laughs) Who wants to go first? Stein my, time. My, my, well, I thought it was good, and then they brought it back to Netflix, and I realized maybe it wasn't as good as I remembered it. <laughs> oh, no. What was was it? Dinosaurs. Oh, I loved that Dinosaurs show. Dinosaurs so good. It, it, it? I'm oh. sure that there are some episodes that are still good. It was just like overall, I was like, wow, I really remembered this very highly, and I, I think it's fine, probably. The but 
concept. I mean, the baby and the song. I'm the baby. I'm the gotta baby, love me. Gotta, gotta love me. Big purple, big purple eyes and baby, baby cuddly. Yeah. Watch me hit my daddy with the frying pan. <laughs> I had that. I had that cassette tape with all the songs on it, and there yeah. was the song about like the guys like 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 pulling pulling down trees, and then the yeah. way that show ended was really dark. Yeah, that was really upsetting. Um, so if you don't remember, essentially they all die because the asteroids hit the Earth, and then the dinosaurs um, go extinct. Yes, but I mean, I do think overall the animatronics on it and everything on it were amazing. Yep. Um, and and I, but I, yeah, I don't know. It was I was I started watching a little bit of it, and I wasn't as enchanted by it. I guess the second time around, I didn't realize it was on Netflix, and now I know what I'm doing tonight when I go home. <laughs> I don't know if it's still there. Dinosaurs? Yes, I am. <laughs> I hope that it is. Otherwise, I'm going to feel real bad. But I, it was there for a while. That was, I, that was a good show. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was very yeah. good for the time. It's very good. I'm realizing the show I want to talk about, I have the box set on one of these shelves back here. I'm trying to see if it's within reach. I don't know if it what is. What it look like? It's... It's got a black case. There's five volumes. That's I helpful. See I see it. Oh, okay. oh, I see it. It's on the far left there. <laughs> the suspense is killing me. I'm not in the room. The shelf. Yeah, right there on the left. Yep, that's oh it. God, that's oh, it. Holy shit. Okay. This the is some is old this? school stuff. So, I can't read it. La Femme Nikita? Lafem Nikita, and not that CW garbage. Sorry, Maggie Q. This is the original series that was on USA. So I lived off this show. This is like a soup, and you can tell it's like it's worn. I've watched this thing so many times, and this this is like a really old DVD set. Um, going through this now is crazy. So I don't know what it was. This is still my favorite TV show of all time. Um, so for people not familiar with the La Femme Nikita um, premise, there's been a movie, there's been two TV series now. She essentially is a woman that is framed for a murder. She's kind of like, a, I don't want to call her like a homeless vagrant, but they kind of... But she's a homeless vagrant. That's kind of <laughs> how they've uh, portrayed oh her in the opening. And she gets framed for a murder, and then she, in order to get out of the murder, they're like, you must now become this super spy. We're going to train you. And then they always hold it over her that, hey, you know, we have, we'll send you to jail forever unless you always are a super spy for hmm. us. Why would you be like, yo, homeless person? I'm going to pick you and you're going to become a super spy or you go to find jail. out in the series why. Okay. Because okay. I'm glad it has an answer. Because there's, there's a whole backstory to her and why oh they pick God. her and who her parents are. And, it's always the parents. It's and, always the parents. And it's, um, it's great. And it's from the 90s. And oh. there was just something about Nikita's character that I just grabbed onto as like a young preteen. <laughs> so one of Nikita's things in the series is that she collects sunglasses, like a variety of sunglasses. And I have a cardboard box still to this day in one of these closets in this house full of all of these weird colored sunglasses that wow. I kept on a string like she keeps in her apartment. Because when she graduates from like spy school or whatever, she gets her own apartment and um, she like decks it out because she you knows she was living on the streets and now she has got a fancy place. I mean, granted, she had to go through some really grueling training to get it and she has to like kill people and whatnot. But well, small person. Um, this show, <laughs> I just 
loved because she just was such a badass in this show. And it was such a, a great thing for me as like a young female um, to see this really powerful female character on screen. And some shitty stuff happens to her throughout the series. But man, the ongoing sexual tension between her and her trainer, Michael. Ooh. It's always Ooh. the trainer. She what has a husband. Yeah, she has a husband. But I mean, they can't like be together, right? Because they but that are just in makes it spies. all the more hotter. Well, I know, right? That's what makes it yeah. great. Forbidden and, love. And looking at him now, I mean, he's a handsome guy, but he's not like the hunkiest of TV That doesn't actors. always matter if he's got a good personality. I do like this like pigtail, the braided pigtail look. Uh, his like eyes that. are very small. I um, love it. Just noticing. There was a song in the first, in the first love scene that they have in the series there was a Depeche Wait, so bang? song no <laughs> oh Wait, somebody else is that's banging awesome. um in the there's a Depeche Mode song that plays and I like remember making a mixtape around this Depeche Mode oh song my god because I was just like oh Nikita and Michael finally got together you know Depeche Mode I've ha- I'm a teenager and I have all these really confusing feelings about sex and love and I don't know what I want but oh I want that and then I was like no I don't really want that they had a really terrible relationship that's always how it goes right you like you idolize these relationships yeah. and then you look back and you're like those were awful. <laughs> they were yeah. really toxic. Totally, totally. Um, but I, I just really loved this show. Um, so Peter uh, Wilson, by the way, is the the actress that plays um, Nikita, and she also was in A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the movie, which I loved. I know a lot of people did not like that movie. Um, once you hear me talk more about movies throughout the show, you'll understand that I like some pretty terrible popcorn movies. But Ooh, that's a next. That's our next topic. But, but um, I, I do like it. And Roy Dupas is the guy who plays Michael. Um, but yeah, this and show he was has great. small eyes. <laughs> Um, it went away, which an interesting story about this series is that they ended it and the fan outcry was so intense for them to bring it back for one more season that there was like a giant long hiatus and nobody thought it was going to happen. But then USA was like, okay, one more go. <laughs> and they brought back one final season and um, it was you could tell that it wasn't as good as the rest of them. It and was like the last two seasons of Buffy. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. But it, it's, it's sa- satiated that kind of desire to have a connection with these characters one more time. And um, it's, it's kind of a sad ending the way that they, the, the way that they closed it off. But I mean, just talking about it right now makes me want to pop this guy in the in the, oh my in God. the Xbox. Like That's what Andrew is doing later. Here we go. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna open up some wine and watch some La Femme Nikita. Amazing. And if you've never Alexa. seen, it, I don't even know if it's available streaming anywhere. Oh, um, probably. Probably it's got to well, be. But it's great. Alexa. Do you have a Do you have a show? Uh, I do. Uh, while Andrea was having her confused feelings about <laughs> sex and love over a live action television show, I was having confused feelings about sex and love over an anime. Shocking nobody. Uh, it I'm could have been an puppets. Anime. You never know. I'm going to pull an anime out of there because I really thought about it. Uh, there was an anime based on a manga, like late 80s, early 90s, like old, or I think it's act, no, it's older than that, uh, called Ranma One Half. Nope. Silence. Sure, oh wow. Okay. People so, out there listening and watching are like, I know that Alexa Ray. Someone is someone out there is having a heart attack because I'm talking about Ranma One Half. So uh they've 
after the series ended, like it's done, like it's been gone for a while. It's now everything is all, you know, Yuri on Ice and Sailor Moon. Uh, this was a manga uh, that was made in anime. And the premise of the manga is there's this boy and he's like, uh, he's training for martial arts or whatever. They're all training for martial arts in anime. And he's and, super androgynous, yes? Yeah. Getting there, and he's—I <laughs> was just guessing—and he is betrothed, and he's like in like a betrothal with like this girl. Like this girl is his future wife, basically. Uh, but he is cursed. Whenever he gets wet, he turns into a girl. <laughs> what? Okay. And he has what kind people, of wet? And he and he <laughs> like turns, rain. If it rains, he turns it rains, into a girl. If someone, uh, uh, if she gets angry with him, she'll dump a bucket of water over his head, and he'll suddenly have boobs and be a girl. This but is, is real it just weird. water, or is it water. also like wine? Water. Okay. Dumps water. Up, he gets wet. That's it. He's a girl. If you throw wine in his face, he's okay. I think maybe. I don't know. Should, I don't think that actually happens in it. Um, but he has people courting him both as Renma, actually the boy, hilarious. and then as the girl. So he's kind of like Jem, but weirder. But 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 weirder. And there's all these hijinks that ensue. There's this really aggressive, really strong girl named Shampoo, who is in the picture. Like the cast Shampoo? of characters is very interesting. In the anime, the anime uh, was one of those shows that I would just put on and let it run for hours and hours, and I would either sit and watch it or like fall asleep to it. It was like my anime comfort food. And it's so old, I haven't seen like anyone talk about it in ages like i was over a friend's house a couple months ago looking at his uh his wall of dvds because we were all trying to figure out something to watch with dinner there's like 10 of us in this apartment and we saw the ranma dvds and the and some of us were just like holy shit literally haven't seen anything i to do with this in ages um it's definitely not for everyone but it's definitely what you would consider like an anime classic like one of the classics um, I really like it. I think it's really cute. So, yeah. <laughs> it sounds interesting. It's so interesting. I love the idea of this person who is, like, cursed and something really obvious, like, completely, like, changes them. Can you remember a specific episode or scene that was particularly poignant or funny to you about when the change happened. So there's a specific there's a specific episode, and I might I might be misremembering one detail, but they're at like an ice skating rink, and they're all skate. The whole group is skating together. The group of like friendos with Ranma, the girl he's betrothed to, shampoo, and he's there, and they're he's they're talking about something, and he's talking to his his soon to be lady, I guess, and she gets angry with, and they're these broy dudes hanging out in the ice skating rink and they're like oh have you seen that like grandma girl like they have no idea that this guy is the same and everyone's like no and they're just these awful broy dudes hanging around and the girl gets angry and she dumps water over grandma's head Ramba becomes a girl and these broy dudes are just like hey and they're like all up on his well not a her, Wait, did, do they not realize it's the same? Did they not see the transformation? No, they don't see the transformation. So oh. they're just like, oh, okay. hey. And they're like all over him. And he's like, oh, I'm a girl, but a guy. I'm a guy in a girl body. Oh, God. I this have is a question. Really awkward. So when she dumps the water on him and he becomes a girl, is she is is he now a wet girl? Yes. Or does he magically dry he's off? He's a wet girl. Okay. That sucks, right? Yeah. Wet girl. <laughs> it's a wet girl. So he never gets mm. to have the amazing. He's like always hair. clammy. No, it's like a, so he has like hair and then like a little ponytail, like just enough of a ponytail that it doesn't. It's not. It's not not masculine. So when he becomes a girl, it's like the same thing. Or it's like a little braid. 
So, so when he becomes a girl, he's got like the little braid and the boobs. Is it just physical or does he like instantly get mood swings? It's just and physical. Cramps? <laughs> nope. <laughs> Nope. Does he have a period? What if he stayed a woman for a long time? Would he ovulate? You know what? Does he become smarter and wittier? I thought, Christine, the exact thing you just said, I've I've thought about multiple times. Like, if he remains a woman for like a month or two, is he going to start ovulating? Is he going to get cramps and chocolate cravings? I don't know. But I have thought about this. I like it. I'm glad I'm not the only one who's like, Wait a minute. <laughs> you know me. I get hung up on weird shit. This was one yeah, of those things true. I got hung up on. Not surprising. No. <laughs> um, so we'll try to run through the other thing quickly or we can save it. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, you know, I want to talk about it. Steimer's like, I'm ready. Got I one ready. loaded in the chamber. So the other thing that I saw when we were talking about, you know, potential TV conversations, in addition to a series that we miss that's gone, that now you're thinking about, Um is a storyline that pissed you off that you still haven't let go. Something that happened in a show that you love that you're like, God damn it, why did they do that? And the the tweet that I saw, the example was uh, Joey and Rachel. Okay. That, that was that pretty dumb. storyline. They were like, I'm still mad about that storyline. And I was like, yeah, what would I be? My, my, my sister tweeted that she was mad about Lexi and Mark in Grey's Anatomy. She was just mad about that storyline. Okay. And I'm like, hmm, what would I be mad about? And I have something that came to mind pretty quickly, but Steimer, I'm dying to hear what yours is. So mine is from Gilmore Girls. Oh boy. uh, Because it's my one true love in life. And it's the story. So I I don't know if, have you got, either of you watched Gilmore Girls at all? Never seen an episode. So Gilmore Girls, if you have no idea, is about uh, essentially a teenage mother. So a girl gets pregnant at 16 she then raises her daughter. So Lorelai is the once uh, pregnant teen. She's now 30-ish, uh, 31, 32. Her daughter is now 16. And it kind of picks up from there. And like she's been estranged from her parents, who are super rich. They have like a whole crappy dynamic going, but it's interesting and entertaining. And they're all witty, and they all talk 10,000 miles an hour. Um, and then in the town that they live in, which is very tiny, it's called Stars Hollow. So the one uh, pairing that you were always waiting for is Lorelai, the mother, and Luke, who's like the grumpy diner owner. And they finally get together. And then the writers threw in this stupid thing with like he magically has a daughter from a different relationship. Um, God, like I'm trying to think of how old she is in the show. I think she's like 12 or 14 or something. She's also a young teen. And, uh, and, but at this point, Rory, like at this point, the daughter's older. The da- uh, Lorelai's daughter is in college, so they're not the same age. Just to clarify, uh, and the way that they have him handle it is so crappy, and it eventually breaks the two of them up. So, like, they got them together just to tear them apart with this stupid kid, and the kid's kind of annoying anyway. Great. And uh, yeah, I know, right? It's just like. Actually, I've watched back through all of Gilmore Girls and realized that all of the relationships that I had idolized and thought like, oh, you know, it would be so great to be to have a relationship with your mom like Lorelai and Rory have. Or um, it would be so great to have, you know, like a like a Jess or a Logan or whatever, who are the husbandos of that (laughs) of that group. And they're all crappy. 
all of these are bad relationships. They're like all <laughs> toxic in some way. And it's just fascinating that I never saw it before until now. And then I look back at it and like Lorelai and Roy are incredibly codependent. Never noticed that before. Um, and then all of the problems in most shows just stem on really bad communication. Like All of this would be fixable in two seconds flat if you would just sit down and talk to your partner. But nobody does that. Why don't they do that? I have no idea. TV. Yeah. But it's but it's frustrating. And I went back and watched Friends, too. And it's a similar thing. I'm like, oh, like 99 percent of these shows would not even exist if you just had a five minute conversation. And I get it. Like, but then there wouldn't be a show. But I'm like, come on. Some of them are just so bad. Anyways. Damn. So, yeah. Eventually, it's a thorn in your side. What? It's a thorn in your side. You're mad about it. I am mad about it. And I'm really mad that because so Luke doesn't even tell Lorelai that he's got a daughter for like a month. He knows about it and just doesn't tell her. Um, And then eventually she runs into the daughter at the diner on her own. And she's like, who do you belong to? She's like, my dad owns this place. That's a great way to find out that your partner has a child. (laughs) Like, Come on, man. Get your shit together. You got the girl you've been wanting. You've been pining over forever. And this is how it's going to go down? Like, come on. No. Stop it. Drama. Stop it. They do eventually, like, get together again, but it was just... (sighs) So frustrating. So the thing that I thought about, what a storyline, this is semi-recent. I mean, there are a couple relationships that I could dig out, but this one is not relationship-based. It's event-based. So I am a big fan of the Game of Thrones books, A Song of Ice and Fire. Mm-hmm. There's been many deviations from the series popular on HBO from the original text. Yes. Many of these things have been debated. The one thing that really kind of like has stuck in my craw that I'm mad that the showrunners for HBO changed um, it's kind of, I don't know if it's kind of spoilery. It's about the Red Wedding. Eh, so season three. I feel yeah. like you and I mm-hmm. picked the same thing. It's season seven now. So if you haven't watched it yet, you're, it's, you're kind of shit out of luck. But I'm giving you a little bit of a warning. I'm talking about what happened at the Red Wedding. So in the Red Wedding, Caitlin Stark murdered. Throat a slit. In the books, she becomes a badass character. The show completely wiped her off the face of the map. They're like, Goodbye. You're dead forever. But in the books, she becomes a character called Stoneheart. Lady Stoneheart. And we don't know how pivotal she's going to be because they kind of left her story open. And I'm really excited for book six if it ever fucking comes out. You and I picked the exact same moment. <laughs> this, is ama- this is amazing. Exactly what I how did to we talk pick about? the same moment? Because what's better than vengeful zombie mom? Right? True. It's too it's it's too good. I thought about picking maybe the show's complete trashing and not using of Princess Ariane of Dorne and completely yeah. her storyline in favor of something a little more closely knit, I guess. But this is the thing that bothers me the most because that is such a compelling like wrinkle. And it's such a supernatural element in a show that doesn't have enough fantasy elements in it. Now that the dragons are here and they're a thing and they're real, we're talking about the White Walkers Mm -hmm. and the Army of the Dead, some more of the fantasy and the supernatural is coming into play. But there's so much more of that built into the book that 
I don't think the show has quite captured. I mean, mm-hmm. we've seen a little bit about the Lord of Light and his power to bring, you know, people back from the dead and to do crazy things. And we've got, you know, the red priestesses and whatnot. And we finally got like, we're seeing a little bit of, of Beric Dondarrion in the series, yeah. but he plays a much bigger role in the books. And he plays a, a big role with Lady Stoneheart and their whole thing that they have going on. And, I thought it's just such a fucking travesty. It's so it's so dumb that they cut her character from the show. And I get why they did it. I just am mad about it. Yeah. No, I hear you, especially because like you mentioned before, it calls to begs the question like does this mean she what? Just isn't really that important in the long run? You know, is she just essentially a really cool throwaway character? Like maybe hopefully not, but the fact that they cut her completely means she's definitely not a super contender in this game. And not that she would become. Oh, my God. Can you imagine her sitting on the Iron Throne? <laughs> oh, God. A zombie mom on the Iron Throne. A zombie, zombie queen. It a sucks. zombie queen. It sucks because, like, the thing that makes the Game of Thrones books, I think, for me, super compelling is when you get these the, is the stories of the people that maybe aren't. Cersei or Daenerys or Jon. It's like uh, like Sam's stuff or like Bran's stuff, like the characters that are not the big movers and shakers but are in in lower, smaller places because it's those smaller, smaller places and those choices that have this giant ripple effect on everything else that happens, mm-hmm. um, which is why I was really banking on the show maybe picking up Lady Stoneheart. So bummer you know i think a lot of us fans still held out hope that she was going to come back but it's clear that they're not bringing her back now that we're you know midway they don't have time season seven and yeah uh you know one season left um but yeah i was um i was kind of pissed about that but i i do hope at some point we can have like a spoiler cast for everything that's happening on Game of Thrones, because oh, cause, yeah. oh let's do it. Gee, it is getting so dang good. Shit's lit right now. I Literally. had to watch. I had to watch the last episode twice because it was so good. So good. Um, it was real good. But um, I watched it on my phone. Hey, now I have any, HBO again, and I'm can. like, thank God, I won't have to worry about spoilers on the internet anymore. So maybe we'll do that. Um, um, for a, a final segment at some point in mm-hmm. the near future. Um, but that's going to do it for us uh, for this week. Um, a reminder to everybody, if you guys want to become part of our Patreon community, we're taking feedback right now from all of our patrons. We want to hear from you about how things are going with the show, what kind of content you would like to see. Um, you know, if you have anything constructive that you would like to contribute, uh, please reach out to us. Contact at whatsgoodgames.com is the email. You can also go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash whatsgoodgames, and leave us a comment on our community post there um we're you know adding a bunch of new people to our facebook page which is exciting so if you guys haven't liked us on facebook uh we'd really appreciate it if you did and also it would really really help us out if you could rate and leave a review for the podcast on podcast services whether that be itunes or google play um brit gave me the good news that we got accepted into spotify yay awesome so uh you'll be able to get the what's good game podcast on spotify as well and um, if you could, you know, download from those sources, even if you don't watch it there, just, you know, it helps us out. It helps us grow our audience and, you know, helps us, you know, continue making the show. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this week. Uh, Britt, we'll be back next week. Have no fear. And um, have a great weekend, everybody. Take care.